Hey, good morning, FCF. Uh, we're continuing in our series called The Pathway to Wholeness. And what I've said each week is that because we are beings that are made in the image of God, made by Christ and for Him, we are beings that are not just driven to love, but we're driven to pursue happiness. And we pursue happiness to the degree that we can perceive it. Sometimes we make mistakes along the way. But even if we had perfect circumstances, as long as there are inner conditions that I'm calling inner toxic conditions that would spoil the potential for us to experience that quality of life that Jesus called life in all its fullness that God would have for all of us to experience. So we've been dealing with some of these toxic conditions. Today we come to a third one and it's one that's uh, extraordinarily prevalent as were the first two as well. Uh, this particular one, 40 million Americans alone suffer acutely from this, but all of us suffer from it to a certain degree. It's something that the uh, psychology world calls you know, the most prevalent uh, disorder, emotional disorder, and it's simply this. It's just plain old anxiety, worry. By the way, 39% of all adolescents are acute sufferers from it as well. So what we want to do today is let the Spirit of God take you and I on this pathway to wholeness and to take us from whatever place we are at in our own struggles with anxiety, with worry, to take us from that place to a place of calm. And I can almost anticipate what some of you are thinking, Randy, you don't know me. It's bio, you know, it's, it's biological, it's genetic, it's just something that I'm born with and I understand that. We are all going to have differing degrees of struggle, but what I also know is this, Christ fully intends to at least move us along that pathway to wholeness that our physiology, our biology uh, would, would allow, and we don't ever want to shortchange God's ability uh, to bring degrees of wholeness that might be surprising us. Now, having said that, I don't want anybody feeling guilty or like a failure or like abandoned by God if this is something you struggle with your whole life. Truth be told, in my opinion, we're all going to struggle with various degrees of anxiety or worry throughout our lives. Now, you know, uh, people have done all kinds of statistical studies on this, and I'm not going to bore you with it, but you probably know that they have found, this is, you can take it to the bank, truth, 85% of the things that you and I have anxiety about never really happen. And even the 15% are so minute, they're not nearly as intense as what our imaginations have concocted them to be. Now that doesn't help you, I know that, nor does it help me. It doesn't help anybody with anxiety, but it is the truth. Somebody has said that uh, anxiety is kind of like riding a stationary bike or, or being on a treadmill. You're, you're really exerting yourself. You're really working hard. You're expending a lot of energy, but you're honestly not making any forward progress whatsoever. When all is said and done, anxiety, worry, doesn't really accomplish much. It doesn't, it doesn't help us. It's not worth the amount of energy, the amount of aggravation, the amount of torment sometimes that we allow it to create within us. And so, Consequently, the Lord Jesus wants to move us toward that pathway to wholeness. Now, I'm going to take you to a portion of Scripture today. You're going to see individuals, and these individuals are followers of Jesus. You're going to see them go from a state of extreme anxiety to a place of remarkable calm, and yet it's kind of a, a shaky calm still, but it's, it's calm. You'll see what I mean when we go to the story. This takes place in the Gospel of Mark, and this is about 
just before the start of the third year of Jesus' three-and-a-half-year ministry. This is a time when he was in the, the zenith of his popularity, but in that third year, the uh, religious leaders really started to go after him, preparing for what would ultimately be his crucifixion. All right, let me start reading to you in Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 35. It says, That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, that's the back of the boat, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him, and they said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm, from anxiety to calm. He said to his disciples, this is key, we'll revisit this. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Or why, are you, why do you have so much anxiety? Why so much worry? Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith, no trust. Same Greek word that is used there. It closes out by saying this, they were terrified and they asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. It's kind of a funny uh, episode there because first they were terrified at the storm and then when, when Jesus stops the storm, they're even more terrified at him. And you can see that even though they were walking with Jesus, believed He was the Messiah, they really didn't know completely who He is. Tuck that away, that's important. Their, their understanding of Jesus, their, their clarity about Jesus still needed a lot of filling in. There, there were things about Him they hadn't yet really taken in. And until we take in a sufficient, clear, full picture of Jesus, we will also have... Uh, greater struggles with anxiety. So, let's start out by asking a simple question. What brings anxiety? And, of course, we could all tell our particular version of it, but I want to look at this in the most general terms, and I want to take you into a deep place on this to start. Why do human beings have anxiety at all? Why do we worry at all? Why do we get fearful at all? The reason, really, truly, when you look at it is we have in our minds this notion, this desire, this, this longing to live a life where everything is predictable and everything is wonderful, where everybody that you meet likes you, loves you, accepts you, admires you, everyone is a safe person, everywhere you go is a safe event, that every day is a good day and the, the next day is better than the day before. You have a desire, I have a desire, because we are made in the image of God, we were made by Christ, for Christ, made for an eternal realm where every day is a good day, where there is no sin, sorrow, sickness, pain, or death. And that desire, that longing is a strong argument, a strong evidence that apart from our Creator, we as human beings can never be whole. We want something that only the Creator can bring to us, and that is why we have anxiety and worry, because we know that life that we should have, that we should possess, that we really want, we know that in this particular world that we're in today, where there is sin, sorrow, sickness, pain, and death, and evil is rampant, 
we know that that desire may be disrupted in any 24-hour period. So one of the reasons that we have anxiety, it's innocent enough, it's because we still want the world, uh, the destiny that we were meant to have, living in the presence of God, where God's will is done all the time and where everybody is safe and every day is a good day forever and ever and ever. And because we know that we may not have that, we won't have that, we worry. We, we protect ourselves the best we can, and that brings us to the second reason we have anxiety. Anxiety is an attempt for you and I to cope with the uncertain world that we live in. Because here's what we kind of think. Now, we don't usually think this through uh, clearly, but behind our actions, behind our worry, behind our anxiety, is this notion that if, if I'm at least prepared for the worst happening, if I'm at least prepared for whatever it is, you know, to be judged, to be ridiculed, to be rejected, to have everything go wrong, whatever it is. If, if we think we can at least anticipate something happening to us, we at least won't be so shocked, so jolted, so caught off guard emotionally. And so ironically, we worry to try to, to, try to protect ourselves. We bring grief on ourselves in an effort to protect ourselves from even greater grief. And so this is another reason why we, we worry or why we have anxiety. We're, we're just trying to cope. The, the other reason and the most obvious one is this. We live in a world, like I said, that is just full of uncertainty. It's full of danger. And it makes us again and again aware that we're vulnerable. We can have our feelings hurt. We can have our bodies hurt. We can have our lives wrecked. These men, these experienced fishermen, they're with Jesus, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they felt threatened. They felt vulnerable. They, they felt that their life was going to be ruined, that their life was going to be taken. They, they felt so strongly that they go to Jesus and say, Don't you care that we're about to drown? And so on any given day, occurrences can happen that make you and I aware, Man, we are so vulnerable. We, we are so fragile. We we are living in a very, very dangerous world. Now, we can't go around worrying and full of anxiety so that we just hide ourselves away completely, but there is a benefit to some anxiety and worry. It makes us wise. It makes us cautious. It makes us aware of danger, and if it does that for us, it's good. Where it goes bad is it starts to kind of crank up the levels of what might happen, what could happen, what probably will happen that may indeed never happen at all. So there's a fine line, there's a balance in this. There's another reason that I really want to get you to on this, that we, we struggle with anxiety. And now I am talking specifically to we that have put our trust in Christ. We have been reconciled to God because we've seen the heart of God in Jesus, particularly when He sacrificed Himself on the cross. We saw that the almighty creator of the universe is altogether sacrificially loving and it won our trust, it won our affection, and we are his loyal followers because of it. I'm talking to we that are his followers. You see, all the men that were on this boat with him, aside from Judas, they were all loyal followers of Jesus. So let's, let's kind of break this circumstance down because here's what happens sometimes the reason I have anxiety, you have anxiety, we have anxiety is because we misunderstand or we don't understand fully enough and we misinterpret Jesus. So here they are. They're going where Jesus wants them to go. They're doing what Jesus wants them to do. 
they are in the storm. Listen to me carefully on this one. The only reason that they are in the storm is because they are loyal followers of Jesus. The people that stayed back that weren't his followers on land, they were safe and sound. They weren't in any kind of a storm. They weren't in any kind of a danger. Hear me carefully because here's some of the thoughts that come to us. Sometimes we feel it's deeply submerged, but it's just in there enough to be a tormenting factor. We feel somehow God's really angry at us. He's going to abandon us. He's going to punish us. There's something we've done that he's going to eventually have to even the scores with us. And so anytime a storm comes along, we start thinking that maybe God's angry at me. Maybe he's abandoned me. These guys, they thought, Jesus, you're over there sleeping and, and we're about to drown. Don't you care about us? Don't you care that we're about to drown? They felt like Jesus was disconnected, that he didn't know their fear. He didn't know their danger. He didn't know their vulnerability. He didn't know what it felt like to be them. And they were completely wrong, of course. So sometimes we misinterpret Jesus and what we think to be his, follow with me on this, what we think to be his lack of attention is actually, actually his perfect intention. I'm going to repeat that. What we feel like is Jesus' lack of attention. We're in a storm. We're in a circumstance that scares us. It shakes us. It rattles us. We feel we're going to be hurt. We're going to take a loss. We're going to be ruined. We're going to be rejected, whatever it is. And we feel like, Jesus, you could do something about this, and you're over there sleeping. Apparently, you don't seem to really care. You don't seem to be aware of what it feels like to be me right now going through this storm. And that's far from the truth. The truth is, He fully is aware, and He fully intends you and I, listen to this part carefully, He fully intends you and I to be blessed, to be blessed with the storm. Do we like the storms? No. Do we benefit from the storms? Yes, if. It's an important thing. Yes, if. There are lessons to be learned in the storm. I'm going to say it again. These men, the only reason they were in the storm is because of their faithfulness to Jesus, because they were following Him. They were living close to Him. That's what caused them to be in the storm. Far from the storm being caused by their distance from Jesus because they, were, they had drifted from Him or displeased Him, nothing could be further from the truth. They were pleasing to Him. They were in the center of His will. They were intimate with Him. He was in the boat with them. Nevertheless, they felt like their life was going to be ended and that Jesus either didn't know or He knew and He didn't care or perhaps He Himself was vulnerable as well. Now, this is something that can happen you know, very easily to us. We get in that storm and we feel like, you know, where are you, Lord? Where are you? It could be that right now, not just a few of us, a number of us, as we have gone through four months now of this COVID ordeal that has turned many of our lives inside out, upside down, we might be thinking, Lord, do you see what's happening? I'm, I'm about to lose everything. I'm about to be destroyed. I'm about to be irreparably damaged. Are, are you asleep? Don't you understand what I'm feeling? When are you going to wake up and come to my rescue? And this is just not the truth. Now, you know what happens in the story. They finally panic. They full-blown panic. These experienced fishermen, they had never been in a storm like this one. Boat was taking on water, looked like it was going to sink, and they felt they would drown. So they, they panic, and they run to Jesus, and they awaken Him. Now, Jesus' reaction, Jesus' reaction is interesting. You can't help, you can't help but to hear irritation in His voice. Let, let me just read you. 
the disciples awoke him, and they said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up. Now, he, mind you, he was sound asleep in the boat. He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? That sounded a little irritated. Why are you so afraid? Didn't you see me over there sleeping? Did, did you really think that anything could happen to you when you're walking with me, when you're intimate with me, when you're going where I want you to go and you're doing what I want you to do? Why didn't you look over there and look at me? I, I, I wasn't troubled by the storm. He, he really sounds a little bit irritated. He says, why are you so afraid? And then he connects two things, their anxiety with something else. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? So Jesus is connecting a lack of trust in Him with the cause of their anxiety. So, so this gives us a great grip on what is actually the root of our anxiety problems. At the root of our anxiety problems, ultimately, is the difficulty we have as human beings trusting in God sufficiently. We trust Him but sometimes that trust needs to be expanded. It needs to grow. These men trusted Jesus. They wanted to be like Jesus. They had been following Him for two years. They believed that He was the Messiah, but they didn't, they didn't trust their entire well-being into His hands. They, they weren't aware of how powerful He was. They weren't aware of how controlled He was. They weren't aware, listen to this because some of you really need to hear this. They, they weren't aware that even though he had all power to calm the storm any time that he wanted to, he was very comfortable just sleeping and letting his disciples ride out the storm. Could it be that what some of us have interpreted as God's lack of care during this COVID period is in fact just the opposite? It, it, it is a, a picture of how greatly He cares. It, it, could it be that He wants us to learn some things about life and learn some things about storms and learn some things about what we need to fear and what we shouldn't fear so that the power of anxiety on a root level, a core level, might begin to be broken up and we might be able to get onto that path toward wholeness and, and trade anxiety for calm. Well, let's look at the next part of this. Let's look at these men, how they go from a state of heightened anxiety to a state of calm. And what brought it about? Well, you say, Randy, it's obvious what brought it about. Jesus stopped the storm. You say, Randy, if He would stop the storm in my life, if He would restore my job, if He would restore my income, if He'd restore the relationships in my life, if He'd restore my health, if He'd you know, fix the things in my life that are broken, that are coming unglued, that are falling apart, that I don't know if they're going to... Uh, stay in my life. If he would stop the storm, Randy, for goodness sake, I'd be calm too. Just, just make it better. Fix it. But here's the truth. Jesus' irritation with these men was because their panic prompted him to calm the outward storm. The outward storm. That's not what he wanted to do. That's not what he wanted to do for them. That's not what he ever wants to do for any of his followers. When Jesus calms the outward storm, when he deals with my circumstances, your circumstances, the things we cry out and panic to him for, please, Lord, please intervene and fix this. Take me out of the storm. Take the storm away from me. Fix my outer circumstances. 
Jesus is thinking to himself, you know, you're in pretty bad shape. Maybe I will this time. But you've got to learn the greater lesson. I want to calm the storm inside of you. If I just keep fixing the storms outside of you, there's always going to be another storm. It's just going to take a different shape. When I change something on the outside, it changes a, a small thing for a very brief time. But if you will let me learn you, if you'll let me teach you how to ride out a storm with me on board in your life, it will change you. I want to, I want to heal you. I want to strengthen you. I want to calm the storm inside of you so that the power of anxiety no longer holds you as a prisoner. You may struggle with it to some degree for the rest of your life, but it need not have that that stranglehold on you that it's had. He always looks not to calm the outer storm. He didn't want to calm the outer storm for these guys. He was irritated. He was sleeping. He, he, he wanted to just ride this thing out, and he wanted them to learn. You know, you can go through the worst imaginable storm, but if you're intimate, united, moving with Jesus, trusting in Him, that storm is not going to threaten you. It's not going to threaten you in any serious way. So, it's important for you and I to tuck something away in this, though. This was what we call a miracle, and it expanded these men's understanding of Jesus' power and who He really was, that He's the creator of the universe, and it's great for us to know that, too, so that our trust in Him can go deep and be thorough through any and every circumstance. But for most of us, you, you really need to tuck this away. For most of us, he doesn't want to do the miracle outwardly. He wants to do the miracle inwardly because that brings substantive, lasting, permanent change to my character, your character, that enables me to be a storm rider instead of somebody that panics in the storm. Storms are not going to go away. They're not going to go away. Now, I'm going to try to help unpack this for you. I'm going to spend the rest of the time in this message giving you very hands-on, practical uh, experiential uh, learnings of what this looks like in real time. Okay, so, so I'm, I'm breaking this down in a two-step process. Uh, each of the steps have some steps within there, so it's steps within steps, bear with me. But let me just start. There's a four-step process first. When you and I find ourselves stricken by anxiety, so let, let's picture ourselves. Something has churned that anxiety up. Something's got us worrying. You know, it might be a, a big storm, might be a little storm, could be almost anything. The first thing that we have to do is we have to learn to trust, trust Jesus in real time. You say, Randy, what, what do you mean trust, trust Jesus in real time? I mean that for some of us to trust Jesus to ultimately bring us into his eternal kingdom forever, we, we find that easier, frankly, than trusting Jesus to help us cope with the things that cause anxiety today in our life, the things that can affect me right now. So my trust in Jesus needs to be expanded. These men that were with Jesus needed their trust in Him. That's why He said, where's your faith? Don't you have any faith yet? He was saying, the reason you're so afraid with me on board with you, you're so afraid because your faith is lacking. It's not that they didn't have trust in Jesus. It just needed to grow. It needed to expand. Mine needs to. Yours needs to. All through life. It needs to. But we need in real, we need a real time trust in Jesus. Let me let me share some verses with you as I go through this. Psalm 56:3, it says this. It says, In the day when I am afraid, I will trust in you. 
This has to become a reflexive habit. When my anxiety gets churning, I need to say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I might be feeling that storm, but I'm going to trust in you. I know I can, and I'm choosing right now to trust in you. That's not going to necessarily make it go away, but that is a start in this four-step process. The second thing that we've got to be ready to do is to have scripturally formed expectations. There's no shortcut on this. Some of you really have to understand there is no shortcut. There's no magic formula. It's not like I can pray a prayer, have somebody lay hands on me, fast for three weeks, or do some ceremony, or read the Bible through in 10 days, or, or anything that I can do that I'm suddenly going to be instantaneously cured of anxiety. It's not the way that God works. He works through slow, mutually cooperative processes with those that He's created in His own image. And so, for me, for you, to experience the power of anxiety to be broken, I've got to trust Jesus in real-time events. Secondly, I have to have scripturally informed expectations. If my expectations are not scripturally informed or formed, I'm going to expect things that Jesus never said He promised to me. Let, let me read you a verse. The last night that Jesus was with His followers in John 16:33, He said, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in Me here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. So here Jesus says, you know, your expectations need to be realistic. This is not the, the eternal world yet. This is a world where there's still, still sin, sorrow, sickness, Satan, and death. So he's saying you've got to have realistic expectations. I need to trust Jesus in real time. I need to have realistic expectations. The third thing that I need is I've got to have some clarity. Unless you, trust me on this one, unless you, just like I've had to, get alone and let the truth about God sink in. These men had to at some point let it all sink in. Who is this that even speaks to a storm and stops it? And if He can do that, and if He's for me, what, what should that mean to me the next time I feel anxiety or worry? If He is that powerful, and yet He likes me. He's for me. I've got, to, I've got to meditate on this. I've got to contemplate this until I come to a place of clarity about the, the power and capacity and ability of Jesus to fully take care of me and His commitment to fully take care of me, even if that means riding out storms. That may be His choice to fully take care of me and, more importantly, to form me so that I have the storm mechanism, the storm controlling mechanism within so that I'm not so vulnerable to the st storms without. And then fourth step in this first step of the process, and this is the most important, I've got to internalize this truth. I've got to get along with God and say, okay, what does it mean if He got me through that storm? I mean, if Jesus was sleeping in the storm, He was so calm, He was so certain, and I'm His and I'm walking with Him and I'm serving Him, when the storm comes, I know that He's with me, even though I may not you know, see Him, I may feel like He's asleep. But So, I have to internalize these concepts until I come to the place where I now have personal convictions. You can't live your life with my convictions about Jesus. You, I, we must form our own convictions about Jesus. We must get along with God and say, you know what? If you're with me, I now know 
Let the wind blow. Let the storms rip. Let Satan do what he wants to do. Let the, the evil fulfill its desires. I will stand fast. I will stand. I will be like a rock because of the rock that I am planted on. I've got to come to the place of convictions. I can't, I can't give you convictions. You have to form your own. They come from you letting the scripture and the truth about Jesus and the Spirit of God work around in your soul until you're really convinced, I know I can trust Him. I know He's with me. I know He'll never, never leave me and forsake me. And I know I am safe in the center of His will even though the wind is blowing and the storm looks like it's a death storm. I've got convictions about this now. Until my time is finished, until my mission is, is gone, until my race has been run, I'm indestructible as long as I'm not foolhardy and presumptuous and walk out of the boundaries of His clear will as it's laid out in His Word. So that's the four steps. I'm going to read them to you again. Real-time trust, scripturally formed expectations, contemplation about Jesus that brings clarity, and then internalizing the truth about Jesus so that, that strong convictions build up in your soul. Here's the second step in this process. And this, this is the one that's critical, and this is the one that you won't like as much. The first step in this is testings. I must go through testings. I must go through the storms. Jesus really wanted these guys to go through this horrific storm, never bothering Him, just trusting that if Jesus is sleeping, everything must be okay. That's what He wanted. Now. You and I, the only way that we get to that place is by going through the storms. You don't find out about Jesus' power to calm a storm unless you go through the storm. You have, to, you have to hit the wall with your own panic sometimes to break the power of the panic. You, you have to reach your limitations before you can get to the place that you learn how to lean into the strength of God. I'm going to read you a verse from 2 Corinthians 1, 8 and 9. It's very powerful, but it's not very pleasant to experience. The Apostle Paul writing, he says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure. I wonder how many of you are feeling some great pressure. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. Let me repeat it. Far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. That's Paul's way of saying, we were like, man, I'm, I'm not going to make it. I, I, I can't deal with this. It's going to take me out. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened, listen to this carefully, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. You have to go through the testings. I have to go through the testings. You have to go through the storm so that you can learn, I can learn not to rely on myself. I, I can't cope with my anxiety, my worry, my fears. I've got to learn to, to trust in someone stronger than me. And that's what Jesus wanted those disciples to learn then. It's what He wants us to learn now. I want to give you something to think about. I'll show you how important the testings really are. <laughs> a little secret on me. I've always been kind of a control uh, freak out. I don't like roller coasters and things that make you feel out of control. For many, many years of my life, frankly, up until I was about 44, I think, something like that, I never even flew on an airplane. I didn't like the idea of being up in the air in a little silver tube because I can't fly under my own power. And so then all of a sudden I went through a season in my life where it was very necessary that I fly, and I flew a lot for some years. 
So the first time though, the first time that I was on a plane, um, I, I know it's gonna sound stupid to you, but because I never really intended to fly, I never paid attention to these things, I didn't really know what turbulence was. I, I mean, perhaps I had heard the word, but I didn't know. And I wanna tell you something. Here I was alone on my first flight, going to Chicago, uh, actually going out to Willow Creek Community Church, <laughs> and when that plane, first of all, I'm, I'm a, it's a first time flyer and I'm scared anyway. I'm really praying. I'm praying a lot. And all of a sudden that turbulence hit and it felt like a big giant had taken hold of that plane. You're a flyer, you know, and just shook it. And I thought, oh my goodness, I knew it. I knew God was trying to protect me from getting in the plane. Now I'm up here. Uh, Satan's going to kill me for sure, you know. And of course it was ridiculous. So the turbulence that scared me so tremendously, man, it, it rattled me. How do you think the pilot of that plane reacted to the very same turbulence? He probably didn't even notice it. I mean, most of these pilots, man, they, these guys are military flyers and they're, they're so experienced. They've been through turbulence so many times. What am I saying? I'm saying Jesus wants his followers to go through storms. How many storms, Randy? I've already been through a lot. He wants you to go through lots. He wants me to go through lots. How many? Only he knows the number that is necessary for us. But here's why. Every time I go through a storm and Jesus somehow brings me out alive, he brings me out in one piece. He brings you out alive. You had the death scenario in your mind. You were beyond yourself to endure. You thought your economic base was collapsing. You thought your health was collapsing. You thought your relational world was collapsing. And yet somehow Jesus brings you through the storm. Now you've got a, a, a storm test under your belt. And the next storm you face, I'm not saying it won't rattle you, but it will not rattle you as much. You experience turbulence the second time, the third time, the fourth time, the twentieth time, eh, you don't even pay attention to it. The testings are necessary. They deepen our trust in Jesus. They teach us we can't rely on ourselves. We need to rely on Him. They show us that we can be fearless in the face of the most outrageous storms, and that breaks the power of anxiety and worry in our lives, or at least that's God's intention that it would. So we have to accept testings. The next thing is this experience, and I've already explained to you how experience builds a kind of a resilience. It builds a kind of a toughness. The thing that once shook us to our core and threw us into panic no longer can anymore. We gain a kind of a boldness, but it's not boldness in myself or in my resources or you and yourself. It is a boldness in God. It's a confidence that if Jesus is on the boat and he's asleep and I don't really give a rip what the storm looks like, I know I'm okay. And that's the kind of confidence God wants us to have in him, in him, not in ourselves. And it breaks the power, once again, of anxiety. And this brings progress. It's as we go through these steps. Let me go through them again now all at once. Real-time trust when the storm starts. We have scripturally formed expectations. We know what God has told us to expect in life and what He's told us we can't expect. When we have come to a place of clarity about who Jesus is and what His power is, and now we've got convictions about His faithfulness that make us a bit less fearful. And then we go through some testings and we develop some resilience. We, we get some experience under our belt and that turns into real progress. Here's what I'm trying to get you to hear. Your anxiety problems, your worry problems, 
your fear problems, my anxiety, my worry, my fear, they're not going to go away instantaneously. There's no prayer you can pray that you just wake up one morning and it all goes away. That's not even God's intention. It's not His process. He wants us to go through storms with Him on board. And He's always on board. He's promised He'll never leave us and forsake us. I want to close with a, just a thought. What if these fellows, two weeks later, these disciples of Jesus, what if they got a replay? Now, they didn't as far as we know, but what if they got a replay? So here they are. They're out at sea again. It's nighttime. Jesus is asleep in the stern of the boat, and all of a sudden, a rip-roaring storm comes. This is going to be important, so follow with me. A rip-roaring storm comes, and they're like, oh my goodness, we thought the, the other one was bad. This is worse. And so the panic switch goes on, but then they pause one another. Maybe Peter grabs John and says, John, John, no, no, no. John's ready to go over to Jesus. Don't, don't go to Jesus. Don't. You see, he's asleep, right? If Jesus is asleep, John, remember, remember the lesson. Jesus told us, he said, don't you have any faith? Why are you afraid? Why do you have anxiety? If Jesus is asleep and we're on board with Jesus, we're doing what he wants us to do. We're moving with him. We're serving him. Hey, we might get wet tonight, John. We might even get seasick, even though we're experienced sailors. But it's going to be one rough, wild, and woolly ride. But I know and you know, as long as Jesus is with us, and He is always with us, He promised to the very end of the age, you can be a champion storm rider, and that will break the power of anxiety and worry in your life. I promise you, 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 you can hold me to this. If you take these truths that I have shared with you today and you put them into practice diligently, that means that you're going to put them into practice today, next week, next month, next year, next decade. You're, you're going to practice these. You're going to let these train and form you. I promise you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be on the pathway to wholeness and the power of your, your anxiety will at least, at very least, dissipate. It will not have that stranglehold on you that perhaps it has had. And some of you, you need this desperately today. This message was so personally, it's as though Jesus was, was whispering it in your ear and writing your name at the bottom of it. Because this COVID thing has really wreaked havoc and brought some anxiety and some worry and some fear. Understandable, completely understandable. But Jesus wants to take us further that we get to the place where regardless, follow with me now, last words, regardless of what the storm is outside, and there's going to be some Lulus. I've experienced them. You're going to experience them. If you're a faithful follower of Jesus, you're going to experience storms. Regardless of what the storm outside is, Jesus wants to still the storm inside of me, inside of you. And the simple truth is it's all simply about trusting Jesus, trusting Him fully, trusting that He's always sensitive and aware of what we're going through, that He loves us more than we love ourselves. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And if He takes us through a storm, it's only because He's trying to strengthen us and heal us in the only way that we can be. This was a special message for some of you. This, this will be one you'll look back on and you'll mark it down. This was the day that the power of anxiety started to be broken in your life. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we, we look so forward to that world 
that, that, that time where your kingdom in its fullness comes, your will is done by everyone, everywhere, all the time, and there will never again be the possibility even of anxiety, worry, or fear of any kind. But until then, we want to be your faithful storm riders until your kingdom and may we be that generation that you are so pleased with that we get to be perhaps the last generation to testify of your greatness and goodness to a watching world. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you, FCF.